I wasn't sure I'd ever uh, step out and do my own thing. It took this place to do it. And it is Virginia Tech. This isn't some rinky-dink-ass program. I don't know if I could follow that one up. I'm yelling into the void, and that's what I like doing. <laughs> Pete, nobody's looking at your tweets. We're going to recruit our footprint, and we're going to work our tails off to bring those Virginia kids to Blacksburg. Those situations are the worst when you are on top yeah. of another guy. The relationships are very important to me. That's what this place is built on. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. At 95 Miami, is my fondest memory. And maybe the experience after the Sugar Bowl with West Worship and J.C. Price on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Come on, J.C. I want to know what you're drinking, Robbie. It is roasty goodness, even though I was out. What's the percent on that? 11. It was a dream come true back then, and it's a dream come true today. Hey, Mom, why don't you try a rail? We're going to put this old guy in a grave. For the love of the game. And I mowed the lawn after work before the podcast. Mm, we just got better, guys. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, a Sons of Saturday podcast. My name is Pete, and you know my co-host, Robbie. How's it going? Robbie, the girls, they, they just couldn't quite finish the job. But Final Four, what a season it was for the ladies. You got a cheers for us? Yeah, um, I do. Uh, I, I mean... Final Four, first time program history. It was pretty unbelievable. Um, in case anybody's wondering uh, how things played out, Pete jinxed it uh, and uh, going right into the, the final. <laughs> if you don't believe me, go check his Twitter feed and see what happens um, mm. right after the uh, third quarter uh, going into the fourth. Um, I will admit, I did not and I could not uh, watch watch the game. So... But afterwards, I wanted to go on and see how people were feeling, and I went down a rabbit hole and found uh, found Pete's <laughs> Pete's tweet, which made me laugh. But no, in all uh, seriousness, cheers to them. That that is so such a good season and just so awesome. So um, hats off, and they're come coming back. We got a bunch of players coming back, and uh, I'm just really really excited for them. Uh, and and what they got going on in the basketball program. Cheers. Yeah, I'll take all the blame. So someone <laughs> replied to the tweet and was like, "This is your fault." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, it always is. Uh yeah, well, I was actually when I tweeted that out, which was a gif of Chevy Chase in Christmas Vacation. And he's like, this is crazy. This is crazy. Is that vacation or Christmas vacation? I can't even remember. Uh, but it's um, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But he's standing outside the pool and he's yeah. just like, this is crazy. Because that's exactly how I was feeling. Yeah. Like, I was just like, I cannot believe we're up nine going into the fourth. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. And in, in actuality, I wasn't guaranteeing victory. No. But just by putting that out there, yes, I realize I jinxed them. You, so th- you threw it into the ether and it it threw it right back at you. That's my bad. Yeah. Well, it, I don't know what happened in that fourth quarter. Um, and we're going to get into this anyway, so might as well do it now. They had that nine point lead and it just seemed like they came out a little flat and they LSU attacked, attacked, attacked. And all of a sudden it was down to four and then it was down to two. And then the wheels just came off. Uh, I mean, Again, I wasn't watching, but I was kind of following along. And then once it got to about halftime, I, I was like, and then it got to the third quarter and they were pulling away. I got to be honest. I was like, 
I kind of checked out and like checking the updates and stuff like that because I was like, it's a nine point lead. They're obviously playing pretty well. I watched a little bit of the game and then to, you know, be up by nine and then lose by seven um, is cool. I mean, that is, that's such a tough uh, fourth quarter. But, you know, anyway, it, it's, it sucks. um, But, it doesn't take away, at least for me, I know it may for some, but it doesn't take away uh, everything that they did this season. It's just a, an incredible season with, um, I mean, records broken all over the place, um, yep. including, I think, in that game for, like, most three-pointers, right, ever in a yeah. uh, in uh, NCAA women's tournament history. So uh, it's just uh, cool stuff happening all around in that program. Yeah, you have to separate the two. It was a painful, painful loss. Uh, we wanted that first natty, and then LSU goes and ends up winning it all, which I don't know if that makes people feel better or worse or what, because LSU is so annoying with their coach and a lot of a lot of shit talking by Angel Reese, and um, you know, but they won, and so they can they can do a little little smack talk in there, but yeah, in a different in a slightly different universe, we win the national title. That's how close these ladies came. It was awesome. And you're right. We get Kitley back. We get Amor back. We get Kayla King back. Um, I think we're losing Trailer and Soul. And Trailer had some nice games at the end of the tournament. She was shaky at times, but Georgia Amor was insane in the ACC tournament and in the beginning of the NCAA tournament. She went a little cold in the most recent game, but the Ohio State game, I mean, she just, Amor came to play Kitley came to play in those really meaningful games against Tennessee and Ohio State. And did you guys did you watch that with your wife the uh, the Ohio State jam? No, we didn't. We didn't need it. Need any more reason for uh, <laughs> you know strife between us. We had we had two years of it when Virginia Tech played Ohio State, and that was that was plenty uh, that yeah. left scars to this day. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, congrats to the ladies on a great season. We're gonna be strong next year and though i would assume at this day and age you know we'll go out and we'll grab a transfer now hopefully it'll turn out better than the Owusu transfer because the drama with all that just went to a new level i don't really want to get into it but like we were supposed to have her as an all-american coming into this team with kitley and amor and the rest and like think about the fact that she was less than zero for us in, yeah. in the games, the she didn't play, and she was a distraction. So less than zero, and we still made the Final Four. So if we can add a key piece somewhere in the offseason to these three girls that are coming back, it, it could be pretty insane again. Well, I think I think we can, and there's a reason for it. Kenny Brooks found, and the team uh, takes credit for this too, a, a, a way to make it really fun. Like, really fun. But his interviews really exemplified that. The students' interviews really exemplified that. Like, it took it beyond the sport. And it was very obvious about how much they were just enjoying it. Enjoying each other and being the program and getting better and those sorts of things. And that type of um, uh, personality amongst the team, I think, makes... Good players, you know, well, there's there's people that just want to win, and there'll always be players like that. But there are other people who are like, yeah, I want to win, but I also want to have a good time and like like the people that I'm with and, and those sorts of things. And I think um, that this season in particular, especially because the team went so far in the tournament, got a platform to really show that to, to the world, um, yeah. including, I think they said, this was 
um, the highest uh, TV ratings of any women's Final Four that's um, that's ever happened. Uh, so the know, ratings being, were out of control, and yes. especially for the championship game, they they just put out some of the numbers. It was like nine point nine million viewers, and it beat out a ton of college football stuff like Sugar Bowls and yeah. Bama, Texas A and M, like all kinds of like things that it beat. And so people are watching. Like it's important, and it like and those games are fun to watch. I know our school was in it. But like really entertaining basketball. Yeah. No. So um, yeah, I think they got a good platform, and I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be good to recruit off of it, um, and and whether it be transfers or new people coming in. And I can't help but think that the Sons of Saturday giving oh, yeah. Kitley and Amor that platform, having a podcast which pays them, you know, yeah. nil, and like them both coming back. It's not totally separate from that. Like the fact that they can make some dollars podcasting and all the other stuff that they're going to get access to. Like you got to give, uh, got to give the sons a little bit of credit for giving them that platform and such a fantastic year to do it. Oh, what the foresight, obviously, you know, they, they, it's just, they knew it was coming final four yeah. uh, birth. I mean, you forget it is so hard to make the final four. I mean, oh there's God, just yeah. so many upsets and it's just, game and night after night you're just going at it that anything can happen so to to make it there it's it can be kind of a crapshoot so it's pretty awesome that it was uh that year that they got the platform and had the podcast and everything yeah absolutely all right let's get into the rest of our news and notes we have a new running back and ol coach hired bowen has moved to qbs and Stu hold is moving to tight ends we'll go over all those changes in a little bit Brent Davis, formerly of Army, joins the staff and as, as an offensive consultant slash analyst. Andy Bitter has a job. He is with TSL now. It didn't take long. I think he said it was a couple weeks that he got laid off the athletic, but he landed over at TSL. So I'm sure that increased the some of the subscriber numbers over there because uh, a lot of people like his work, and I saw some some good support for him. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, football attrition. We'll go over the guys who are leaving. Uh, and talk a little bit about that football recruiting we had a few recruits come in in a few days at the end of march there so we'll talk about that last thing before we get to our discussion of the coaching changes men's basketball Uh, we lost to cincinnati in the nit and that was after losing to nc state in the acc tournament Uh, not a rough year by historical standards but disappointing after the last few seasons is how i'd characterize it yeah expectations got raised so they had kind of a you know okay season and so it feels a little bit like a disappointment but that's that's what you want that's how you know a program is getting elevated from you know where it was 10 years ago Uh, that's that's a good thing yeah and i'll start with the stuff that came today which was mike jones our assistant from dematha is now leaving virginia tech for maryland uh, and the implications of that could be large because we know that Mike Jones was heavily involved in getting Rodney Rice to come to Virginia Tech. We know that he was involved, at least to a point, with A.J. Swinton, the four-star that's committed. And Darryl, Darren Buchanan is already in the portal. That was another one of Mike Jones's recruits. So all the potential good that Mike Jones did while here in terms of the recruiting efforts could all be undone by him leaving, which is a little bit... A little bit disappointing. And as for his contributions on the court in practice, I don't know. I mean, he was a part of the team that won the ACC tournament, so uh, there's got to be a little bit of credit given there. Yeah. Um, I would say, as far as what we do 
with the coaching choice going forward, we both talked about the defense and how that needs to improve. And so hopefully they bring in some kind of defensive assistant. Yes. Uh, Bring somebody in and um, hopefully he, that person is, again, I know, I know there's differing viewpoints on the recruiting aspect of it and whether it um, was even around enough or, you know, you have one guy in the transfer, you have, you know, Rodney Knight Rice, which we'll see what happens. And then one more that is committed, but who knows if he, you know, flips or, or, or changes or whatever the case may be. So, um, but, you know, he's, he's got good ties and he's going down the road. So, you know, we're going to be, recruiting against him in some respects against against talent so yeah, i think it's an important hire to bring somebody in and hopefully um has some good recruiting chops and and can improve the the defense because it, it does it needs a um it needs a charge and a, a boost because it was it was not what it has been i am hoping that when we do bring in this new coach it will kind of make people feel a little bit better because that's what always happens like people leave joe rudolph Glenn leave, people get mad about coaches leaving. And then you look at who you hire and you feel a little bit better if it's a good hire. And based on the fact that we had gotten Mike Jones, which was seen as a major coup, who's to say we're not going to go out and pick up a very nice coach to fill his spot? And so that's that's what I'm hoping for, and that's my positive spin there. Last couple things we have. Darius Maddox also entered the portal. That is not a surprise. Uh, yep. It was nice to see that uh, his family issue was doing a little bit better. I think it was something about his dad. His mom had put out something on Twitter. I'm not speculating or taking off a message board. She publicly put something out there and thanked Hokey Nation for the support and the privacy or whatever. But Darius is going to move on regardless, and that is not a total shock. On the flip side, Makai Long from ODU is coming to Virginia Tech. He's a six foot seven, 200-pound, I guess, guard slash forward. He, he, he's versatile. His defense and rebounding are his strengths. He averaged 10 and 8. So it was 10.7 and 8.7. So almost 11 and 9 last year, 1.5 steals a game. And he's already played four years of college basketball. So that's a nice addition. Yeah, that's a that's a man right there. He's, uh, you know, um, that's four full years. And uh, how's it work in, what's your maximum in basketball? Can you do five, five or can you do well, six? Well, he's benefiting from... COVID year. So it, it would be, you know, everything's all screw, screwy right now and there are extra waivers and all this stuff, but mm-hmm. this is his last year. Uh, it'll be his his fifth season, but it's it's a grandfathered in COVID thing. Nice. We also got a commitment from Tyler Nickel. This is another six foot seven kid. So adding not super size, but some nice bigger bodies and he's 220. Tyler Nickel's really interesting because he broke the Virginia all-time high school scoring record and he beat Mac McClung's record to do it. So Mac McClung recently of the slam dunk contest fame, (laughs) um, Gate city, Virginia. This is a big pickup because we were in on nickel before he went to UNC, but now he is coming to the Hokies after UNC's kind of disaster of a season. He was a top 100 guy, four-star guy. Uh, Like I said, all-time leading scorer in VA 10th highest recruit ever to commit to Virginia tech. Uh, according to the 247 composite ranking. So it's it's a very nice pickup. Um, he'll bring some versatility as well. We'll see what he can do for the forward spot. I think he's more of your uh, stand-up forward, small forward type. 
Um, but he can play a little bit of both. I, I don't think his defense is totally reprehensible or anything like that. I think he can hold his own. So um, even with this couple of bad news things coming in, picking up long and nickel is going to be very good for us. And yeah, you said that Virginia Tech was in the in the mix for him, so it is kind of nice that he had some ties to Virginia Tech, and it just ended up that you know UNC ended up pulling him in, and they really wanted him, and he ended up going to to Tar Heels, but then you know comes full circle, and you know he ends up uh, back in uh, in the good colors uh, after all. So that's pretty awesome. That's right. It's always nice to to take a, a basketball player from UNC, right? It can't be a yeah. bad thing. Um, before we get to the new coaches, I wanted to remind everyone out there that Sons of Saturday is doing their spring jam again this year. It's the night before the spring game, Friday, April 14th, 8 p.m. to midnight at McLean's on 1st and Main. Uh, David Wilson is going to be there. Dan Marshall, the singer from American Idol, he's going to be performing. Uh, it's going to be awesome. And so pay attention to their Twitter feed and to the Sons of Saturday website, sonsofsaturday.com, because the pre-sale info is coming out tickets are only ten dollars pre-sale they're 20 at the door so it's it's a steal to get in there hang with some former players and whatnot i'm sure a ton of people are going to be up in there last year was it was crazy the amount of former nfl players former hokey players that were all there so i think there's going to be a really good environment for some schmoozing some drinks a, a lot of good times so sons of saturday spring jam friday april 14th night before the spring game eight to midnight at mclean's be there. Look for the pre-sale info online. Pete might even reignite his uh, his audio and singing career if uh, if everybody's lucky. He'll jump up on stage <laughs> and uh, and make it happen. Depending on, how I'd the, love to do a duet with Dan. That would be great. Yeah, depending on how <laughs> former the Hokies football player. I don't know if people remember that, but he played football. Yep. I think his non-stage name is Griffith, like Dan Griffith. Yeah. Uh, he was a linebacker, I think. Yes, special teamer. I think he was a. Walk on, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. I think there was. He, a, I think he walked on. Yeah, there was a. There's a bunch of stories I was getting hit up about. You know, all the all the mothers. Now I don't even think like our age group really watches American Idol anymore. It's like all like the older generation. So it was like people's moms were like texting me, and it was like, "Hey, do you know who this guy is?" I was like, "Yeah, I, I know him." No, I think I know him. He changed his name, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I watched last year because. I knew he was going to be on it and not that I knew him as a player. Really. I remember seeing Twitter videos. Cause I think he was like one of those workout warrior types. Like he would lift a lot. And so they'd put him in the online videos on like the Twitter feed. But yeah, I just wanted to see a hokey and he went really far. I think he made like top 20 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Let's talk about this running back coach hire Elijah Brooks. He's coming from Maryland. So we did a Mike Jones for Elijah Brooks trade swap. Uh, yeah, and I'll let you go first. I think this is a great fit. Yeah, so he's coming from Maryland. Uh, he used to be the head coach back in the day of DeMatha, uh, which is football powerhouse. Um, another Mike Jones corollary. Yes, another Mike Jones. All roads point back to DeMatha and just swapping coaches. Um, <laughs> so he's had two running backs at Maryland drafted to the NFL, I think, in the past uh, two or three years. Um, and is supposed to be known as a, a pretty good recruiter. I think um, I think all told, this is um, as good of a hire. I'm, I'm not calling any coaches like 
great slam dunk hires anymore. I mean, that's just done. I mean, I can't, I can't you know, I think we've learned our lesson. <laughs> we've we've after, been down that road. <laughs> yeah, we've been down that road. But I think this is a very, very good hire um, for a position that we have. Um, we've really, we've struggled. I mean, it has been choppy uh, in the running back um, room uh, over, what, seven years probably. It's been kind of hit or miss. And the times that it's really been yeah. um it's gone well, has been um, just kind of a level above talent has really done it. It has not been scheme. It has not been like the coaching. It hasn't been anything like that. Um, and I think um, this this um, could be could be good for us. So I'm, I'm excited about the hire, actually. Robbie, just this remind me of something. What's our last 1,000-yard back? Do you, can you name him off the top of your head? <sighs> last 1,000-yard back. Um. No, does that go back like all like like? Hey, <laughs> no, there's one that slipped in there. Trayvon McMillan. Mm. He did hit a thousand. I think it was in 2015, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it might have been the year before the our good season. Yeah, that's because right. he started carrying the ball a ton, like the third or fourth game, and Leffler was just leaning on. I'm going back to Leffler days. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, wow, yeah. I thought we were gonna go back to like, yeah, you know, Wilson or Suggs days, and like have to go all the way back. I mean, <laughs> no. Yeah. no, Wilson has the record from 2011, but I believe Trayvon McMillan did go over a thousand 2015. But yes, Elijah Brooks, great fit, played under Jimmy Laycock at William and Mary. He's played for a bunch of good – or coached under good coaches, played for good coaches, and was at Maryland for four years, like you said, after DeMatha. His recruiting ties are really the headline, right, because he's brought in five four-stars to Maryland since 2019, including a top 60 guy, uh, Nick Cross. He became a third-round pick in 2022. He was key in Ramon Brown's commitment to Maryland, mm-hmm. or I should say his flip from Virginia Tech to Maryland, if you remember that, was – you know, either signing day or the week of, he flipped Ramon Brown. And so taking him from a recruiting rival mm-hmm. and a Big Ten school, I think is a huge win for Virginia Tech. And just adding that recruiter is is huge. And you're right, not only can he recruit, but it, it seems as if he can get these guys. He had a guy who was a redshirt freshman this past year go for nearly 1,000 yards at Maryland. Right. A non even heralded recruit. So you can see him recruit and you can also see him coach. Yep. And so I think you're right. You can't say home run, but it seems like a very good hire. Yep. I, uh, I agree with that. And, and that's coming from school. Just if we're going to play this whole game of, you know, losing coaches and picking up coaches, that's coming from a big 10 school. And right now they are sitting on pots of gold at those right. schools. I mean, they have have more money with their TV contract than, you know, really they know what to do with. So they're uh they're handing out dollar bills to like people outside the stadium right now. So <laughs> it's crazy. Moving on to the offensive line coach, we hired Ron Cook. Now there was some discussion before this happened that Bowen was potentially going to move over to O-line and we were going to hire a tight ends coach or or something else. But I think getting Ron Cook actually works out really well. Cook was at South Dakota this past season. But before that, he was with the playoff Cincinnati Bearcats. Yes. And so, and was there for a while. Yeah. And so the, the what, you're, what you saw on Twitter a little bit after the hire was like, why are we hiring a guy from South Dakota? And 
that was not indicative of it's like the- a it's like a gap year people take like yeah. after after college right you see this a lot where you know guys don't have necessarily a landing spot um, they haven't fit somewhere so they take a spot like they did at South Dakota they take a year and then they go back and look at power five I that, that is stupid narrative to even latch on to it's at Cincinnati he did very very well had very good offensive lines there um, so much so that they ended up leading that into a playoff berth um, he was at West Virginia I think Harvard um, at a few different schools prior to that but by by all accounts um, the guy's a good OL coach uh, so I the South Dakota thing I don't even really I'm not even really paying attention to it yeah and he was at West Virginia before he was even at Cincinnati, like you said, and he had six all-conference players. And I'll read this excerpt. This is from his bio uh, when he was with Cincinnati. In 2021, the Bearcats had one of their best offensive line rooms in the nation, helped lead Cincinnati offense that broke single-season school records in touchdowns, points, through 13 games. As a group, the offensive line paved the way for an offense that averaged almost seven yards per play, ranked six nationally, they led the AAC in yards per rush. They only allowed 1.5 sacks per game, blah, blah, blah. It keeps going on and on. I mean, that season as an O-line was tremendous. As a team, it was tremendous. But a lot of times, success of your team starts up front and in the trenches, whether it be offensive line or defensive line. And and he had them going. So I like what I'm hearing out of spring practice as well, the way he coaches the offensive line. He's kind of an, an inside zone guy. Mm-hmm. And um, Brandon Patterson wrote an article for TSL talking about how that's that's a little bit of an older scheme. I mean, that goes back to, I think, the Denver Broncos and their zone-blocking scheme where they would bring in a new running back every year that would get 1,000 yards after Terrell Davis. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just kind of an attacking style. And so Crook tells his guys, this is what Patterson wrote, Crook Crook tells his guys to embrace four- and five-yard runs and that as long as they keep the box defenders going backwards, the back is going to make a DB miss for a big run. It's very much like get to the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. and if your block is working, just mirror your man kind of stuff. Yep, and um, I love it. Uh, it's it's kind of gritty, uh, old school, and we need something. We need some sort of grit in the run game that it, it, it has not really existed much for for quite some time so i'm excited about that and if it starts up front with those guys then uh, i'm all for it we got some more assistance in the run game too with this brent davis hire coming in and he's added as a consultant but i believe that he's been on the field coaching the guys so i i know there's limits to certain like on the field coaches you can have but i know davis has been down there so yeah so he's here it says he's here for the spring um but it's a question mark in tbd on whether he's going to stick around longer than that um i think is what it is he's the former uh, army offensive coordinator so um we're bringing out the triple option this year and we're going to make it work (laughs) but no i mean that that's um that is a great sign of of you know bringing in somebody that's going to help focus and really kind of uh, reassure um, and kind of give another set of eyes on top of uh, Crook on on what he's seeing in the run game and, and how we might be able to, to make things work there. And I guess him and Pry go back um, sometime. Where did they come? Georgia Southern? Georgia Southern. That's where they were, yeah. So yeah. Um, when they uh, when they were there. So they, they know each other from a little bit. So. Hopefully he's good. Hopefully he's helpful. It's a it's an outside perspective and um, and one that's uh, he's in there as a consultant. So quite frankly, 
he can say whatever the f he wants because you know he's he's gonna be he's not like vying for a job uh which mm-hmm. is always kind of nice um he's like the two bobs in office space he can kind of <laughs> come in and you know just you know and, you know what he well, is he's uh he's the two bobs but he's jerry kill yeah like that, that that's what he is he's the jerry kill the adult in the room experienced oc mm-hmm. something we have just lost in brad glenn and joe rudolph because both those guys had oc experience this is that little bit of oversight there for uh for bowen and he's pretty darn good i mean i know obviously you get let go at army like you might not have had a last couple good years but he's got the option expertise and run blocking that's what it's all about he was nominated for the Broyles award in 2017 so that's Mm -hmm. pretty damn good and not that long ago uh had an ncaa rushing title under his belt and when he was with georgia southern they were in fcs they had three straight trips to the fcs semis Mm -hmm. um and were the top rushing attack in the country in 2011 and 2012 so he's seen a lot of football seen a lot of good run games and you're right any kind of advice pointers tactics techniques that he can give mm-hmm. this young offensive line i am all for it because we need we need help now i want to be a good passing team mm-hmm. but you got to be able to run the ball and last year we just really struggled mightily with that yeah as long as he's not having our guys throw down cut blocks then i'm all for it so yeah, <laughs> yeah we don't want to do the cpj thing here yeah um bowen to qb coach we need to talk about this a little bit because it caused a little bit of a stir i i think it's easier to stomach when you realize that you're getting crook and Brooks. I mean, those are two very nice hires, but you are putting a guy who's never coached quarterbacks as the quarterback coach. And there were some people out there. um, Ricky LeBlue called it laughable and negligent um, that said Bowen has no idea what he's doing. And listen, I think that there's definitely a reason to be critical. I do. Uh, I think Tim Thomas on the Tech Lunch Pill, he wrote that, like, I'm giving this higher an F because <laughs> when you put a guy as a first-time uh, quarterback coach at the P5 level, that just doesn't happen. Yeah. So, like, it, it, like the only person he listed that, that currently – went that path is Ferenc at Iowa. Wow. So like, that's not, yeah, that's, that's not, not great comparison, wow. but, um, do you have a retort? What's your take on this? Well, I, I listen, I've been very busy these days, so I don't follow as closely all of the hubbub that you do. Um, so my opinion on this was, um, less clouded by, um, you know, other people's opinions. So I was concerned in just reading this and taking it at fast face value when I did, and I didn't do a ton of digging to get what other people's perspectives are. So I'm a little disappointed that everybody had the same concern that I did. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't have a rebuttal to that because it, it's weird, right? We, we are having a little bit of trouble back there. I mean, last season, you and I joked around about the comments um, and what were like said about the quarterback, and then what we actually saw in the field being so different. And yes, um, we we joked about that, and I, I just uh, I would have um, felt better with that position being in more experienced and um, hands. I guess is probably the best way to put it. And that's not to say he couldn't do a good job, 
but you can say that about anybody. I'm, I I might make be a good, you know, a, you know, I might be a good scientist, but I'm not a scientist and I didn't study that and that's not what I did. So, um, you know, who knows? And, you know, Pry, Pry is closer to it than we are. And he, his comments were that this was always kind of the, the plan and this is what he expected to happen, but it seems very strange. Yeah, the offense was bad last year, very, very bad, and now you're giving that guy who was in charge of the offense more responsibility, right. <laughs> essentially, over the offense. And so I totally understand. To your point about you're not a scientist, but you could have been one, and maybe you still could be one. I'm not uh, a private equity guy, but maybe <laughs> if I studied it, I could be good at it uh, at some point. Um, but... Bowen has proven to be a solid coach throughout his career. Mm-hmm. And unlike an engineer to private equity, yeah. it's still football. Yeah. He coached, he's coached offenses. He, he coached under Joe Moorhead, who's a quarterback guy. And he did very well with tight ends in his career. Yeah. He was an offensive lineman. He's, he has experience all over the football field. Yeah. Why? What's to say he wouldn't be good at another position. He's the one that went and got drones and clearly had a vision you would hope on how to use him. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure our QB play <laughs> with yeah. even with Bowen going there is going to be better than last year. Yeah. Because quite frankly, it cannot get much worse. And the weapons are so much better that, you know, I, it could it be a disaster. It could, mm-hmm. but I've really, I'll, I would never go so far as to say it's negligent. Yeah. I think it's a risk. I think it's a calculated risk in Brent Pry's eyes. This is a guy he clearly believes in, and he is basically saying to Bowen, like, show me, because if the offense is a train wreck again this year, Bowen ain't going to last very long, Yeah, because now it's all in his hands, essentially. So two thoughts on, on this. I'm One part of me is, even if it wasn't QB coach, let's say that we didn't have Elijah Brooks come in, and if Bowen took over running backs as well, I'd still be concerned because the fact is, is that the offense wasn't very good and now he's taking on more responsibility, right? Like that is a distraction. I don't care what you say. It is more workload, right? You are taking on more work and you are responsible for more things that are going on. You're responsible for the entire offense. You're responsible for play calling. And then, oh, by the way, you also have to be reviewing film with your quarterbacks, training them, you know, picking the right quarterback, going through. He talks about all the stats that they're going to be tracking, going through all those stats, digesting them to figure out who the starter is going to be. There is more workload there. So, that's one point that makes me a little bit concerned is you're adding to his duties any way you want to cut it that you are. And two, and maybe this is me being naive about the way college football is coached, but aren't there like some form of mechanics of coaching a QB that are supposed to be somewhat important? I know damn well I'm a golfer. I play golf, right? I go take my golf lessons with the best pro that I can find at my club that I know who is a ridiculously good golfer at the things that I'm trying to be ridiculously good at and has like trained his whole life on the techniques of golf to teach me. The pros do the same thing, and so do the college kids and all of those sorts of things. And they have different people to teach them. Like putting, you go to one guy. If you're working on your chipping, you go to another guy. It's so, but perhaps... 
I'm naive and there's like some other way that people are developing, or maybe at this stage in college football, all of those guys are working with who's that guy out on the West coast that trains like a, like, you know, 25 of the, uh, yeah, I don't know his name, but I know, you know who I'm talking about. about. Um, maybe everybody got, goes to him and, or those types of people. And that's where they're getting their mechanical instruction, um, of things. But, um, or, but you can't tell me that all these college football players are coming in and like all their mechanics are flawless because they're, they're not, I mean, and, and the coaches will talk about things that they've kind of fixed with guys over time. So that part is a little bit befuddling to me, Mm -hmm. but maybe they've got something ironed out there or I'm just naive to the way college football is coached today because I know damn well, offensive linemen are getting coached on what they're doing, where they're putting their hands, where they're putting their feet. Wide receivers are getting put on the line. They're like looking, you know, whether they break inside or outside, how they create space, the way they move, you know, quarterbacks or cornerbacks are working on like their hip movement to make sure that they can turn with, you know, so, and those are other positions that are not, necessarily the most critical position that's on the field bar none um yeah so that part i mean josh oglesby joked about on our podcast how you know running back coach is the easiest job in the world because there's not a lot of technique that needs to be taught exactly um but here's what i'll say in response to that chris coleman commented about this a little bit on tsl that at a younger level high school whether it's a you know a clinic or just your high school coach Learning how to throw the ball properly usually happens at a lower level. Mm-hmm. By the time the guys get to college, there is some of that for sure, mm-hmm. but it gets less and less each level you ascend. And you'll remember Tim Tebow, mm-hmm. awful throwing mechanics. It didn't matter. He was yep. still an amazing college quarterback. Scott Leffler, who we mentioned earlier, prided himself on teaching quarterbacks how to throw and all that crap properly. Guess what? When he came in, Logan Thomas got worse, yeah. markedly worse. Yeah. So it's, I think in at a college level, and I've never played quarterback, I've never been to a coaching clinic as a quarterback, but like you can you get the ball to the receiver or can't you? Yeah. And I think a lot of the the wind up and the release and all that stuff, it's tweaked and, and if you're doing something really, really wrong, they correct you. But like by and large, it's do what you've been doing your whole life and get the ball to the receiver. Yeah. And so I do think there's tactical things there. I'm not discounting it, but it's not to say that Bowen hasn't learned some of those things over the years from Joe Moorhead and, and and the guys at Penn State and all that kind of thing. I mean, it, he he's not coming in with a knowledge of zero. Yeah. That that would be my counter to like, he doesn't know, he has no idea what he's doing. He's like, he's been a college football coach and a football coach yeah. under Urban Meyer, under all kinds of people. Not that that went very well with the Jaguars, but yeah. you get my point. Like he's, yeah. he's been around the game a long time. This isn't just like me going in there trying to coach quarterbacks. Yes. It's, it, it's so... Listen, it's not it's not the ideal choice. Right. We all know that. But Pry is he's putting a risk on it and Bowen has it's a prove prove it. You know, yeah. like that's that's what this is. And with drones or whoever's gonna be the quarterback, no one should be more motivated <laughs> to get that guy to play well, the guy he went out and got yeah. than Tyler Bowen. I agree. And so And maybe he, he brought in and he knows probably people that can he could bring in or help with or send them to if he if they're having issues and stuff like that. Yeah. They and, all go to like those manning camps and stuff. Yeah. And you have convinced me that now I know why quarterbacks are horrible golfers, like except for like a you know, Tony Romo. <laughs> is like the only exception but all the rest of them are terrible it's because they don't get any coaching on uh, their mechanics <laughs> so they all suck 
Um, so that, I know who I'm betting against in uh, in any of those pro amps. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did want to make the final point that like Bowen, he brought in drones as we mentioned repeatedly. He brought in Pop Watson, who mm-hmm. we're going to talk about in a minute. Another nice quarterback recruit, a Nebraska flip who had Michigan offer. Uh, and then he's most really recently brought in QB Davy Belfort, who's a 88 on the composite, had a Bama, Georgia, Florida State offer. The list goes on and on. He has at least earned the right through that recruiting to give it a shot, right? Like yeah. he, he is, he's been doing work for us the last four months. And in terms of the recruiting game. Mm-hmm. And now if he can talk a good game to those kids and tell them like, Hey, I can coach you up and they're believing in him. Yeah. You can see why pride believes in him and let's see if he can do it. Yeah. I, I'm told, listen, it, it, it doesn't, it, it was not an alarm bell situation for me, but it was definitely one where I was just kind of scratching my head a little bit. And afterwards I was like, well, okay. that's a little bit weird. And Hey, it's it could, weird. It could I, I am end full, of the season. Agree. We could come back and be like, that was an awesome idea. You know, he, he got buy-in from all the, for anything that he didn't know, you know, about the very, very in-depth aspects of being a quarterback was more than made up by getting those kids committed had knowing the offense, knowing what the end game was, it was, you know, for the overall offense mm-hmm. to help them understand it. Absolutely. But I will, I will not, at all be shocked if at the end of next season you and I are like, man, was that a bad idea? Uh, yes. So that, that is also, but that's like everything. It's all, no, everything's a crapshoot these days. So Exactly. It could work out great. It could work out terribly, or it could just be average. Yep. There's no way to know <laughs> so, at this point, but um, I like overall, I was happy with the moves because I really liked both of the other hires. So let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor, the 2D Pokies Under the Influence podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy app that allows you to make plays with our very own Hokies players. So come this fall, you'll be able to get some action on Allie Jennings' receptions, Malachi's yards, whoever's playing quarterback, their TD numbers. But in the meantime, you can make plays on the NBA. MLB is back, just started up. We got the Masters this week, right, Rob? Yes, we do. Lots of opportunities to get some money in your pocket. So download the prize picks app today and use code memory lane for a deposit match up to $100. That's memory lane, all one word. And you'll get that deposit match up to $100 prize picks daily fantasy made easy right now, Rob, I need to know what you're drinking. I am. I've been sticking with, um, I think I mentioned this in, on the last podcast, but, uh, the athletic, uh, has gone above and beyond. They are knocking it out of the park on non-alcoholic beers. I have an online subscription now that I don't even have to leave the house. It, it, it shows up every two weeks, every three weeks, the schedule I set, and I get all sorts of different beers uh, sent to my house that they, and a lot of their pilot program beers that are not out. And this one, I don't think I've had it on here, is uh, Skip the Snooze. It is... Um, it is a stout. I may have had this on here, but I don't think so. It's delicious. I don't think I remember it. Yeah. Um, obviously, it is a coffee-infused um, stout, and it, nice. uh, it's really, really good, man. I, I've been I've been jonesing to try and find stouts because as soon as the weather starts to get warm, first of all, those dry up even if you're getting alcoholic beer, right? All the IPAs start coming out. So you imagine what happens for like non-alcoholic beer. You can't find them anywhere. So 
Um, and this one is really, really good. So uh, Athletic Brewing, skip the snooze. What are you having? Very nice. I'm having Dogfish Head Nordic Spring. This is one I hadn't seen from Dogfish Head. Uh, the can is cool. A lot of different like spring plants on there. And it's an ale brewed with orange peel, juniper needles, and berry. So I'm back on my uh, pine spruce tip now we're talking. kick over here. <laughs> this is That's that early spring. They like to, to mix those in in those kind of springtime IPAs. But this one is really good. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a 5 out of 5 or anything like that, but it's it's probably a good 4.0, 3.75 Nordic Spring IPA from Dogfish Head. I always forget that they're owned by Boston Beer Company now. Oh, uh, I'm, yeah, I'm that's seeing right. that on the side of the can. Did you see that they just changed the recipe for Sam Adams uh, lager, like their traditional lager, Boston lager? Really? I did not yeah. know that. It, They've been it's... promoting the fact that it's brighter. <laughs> yeah, so they're they're trying to hop on that IPA train. Well, first of all, I guess I like. I mean, I'm from Boston. Like, uh-huh. I I you went to Boston I, College. I went for to Boston school. College for grad school. My whole family's from there. My grandparents are from like Southie. I've been through the beer tour, which is hilarious. I suggest anybody go. The 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 people they have doing them are so funny and like really really good. Um, and Boston Lager sucks. Uh, in my opinion. <laughs> so, um, it's just, it was never one that I ever liked. So, um, I don't drink anymore. So guess what? They, my last known, um, you know, drinks of it will, will have been a, a terrible Boston lager. Maybe it's better now. Yeah. Boston lager. It definitely was getting aged. Yes. Like the, the flavor profile of it, uh, beer has largely moved past it. And so the fact that they changed the recipe, I, I'm still surprised, even though it, it's it, it was probably needed. I'm still surprised because you never you don't typically see them do that, and even if they do do it, they don't tell you yeah. a lot of times. Yes. but they are straight up advertising, and maybe the sales weren't doing so well. I don't know, but they're straight up advertising like new recipe, now brighter, whatever. So I'll get some, and I'll let you guys know what I think. I never but, uh, see it on tap except for airports. Airports always have Boston Lager, but like I never see it any right. anywhere else. So it's definitely not doing well. That's for sure. You um, see Sam Adams, just not the Boston. Yes. a lot of times. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's um, it's 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 like one of those ninety movies that just doesn't hold up like anymore. <laughs> like you just you're like yeah, that one. There's plenty of ninety movies you can still watch and they're good, but that that Boston Lager just did not hold up. Mm. Yeah, it's funny because I would always have likened Boston Lager to a Yinling Lager, yeah. the the traditional Yinling Lager. But to me, a Yinling Lager is still good. Yeah, like I can still sit down at a bar, get one on tap around here, and I still enjoy it most of the time. Um, sometimes you get a skanky tap and it doesn't taste good, but most of the times, if you just want, hey, I want a beer. Like that is a beer. It is a regular lager beer. Yeah, but the the difference I always find, and it's funny how much I can remember about alcohol having, and I don't drink <laughs> anymore. But Yingling is a little lighter. Like the it Sam is. Adams is a little bit darker, so it like left always left that like danky kind of taste in your mouth. Whereas a Yingling Agreed. is a little bit lighter, which I think makes it um it holds up. It's a movie that holds up still uh, to this day. So. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's get into the attrition uh, real quick. This is just going to take a minute. Kenji Christian, J.R. Walker, and Nyquie Hawkins. None of those guys are with the team any longer, and a couple have entered the portal. Hawkins, 
he didn't enter the portal. He's just no longer enrolled at Virginia Tech. And so I don't know what happened there. Academic issue, family issue, no idea. But Hawkins no longer on the team. Jared Walker was always a guy who we were waiting to like, oh, he's going to take the next step. He was a four-star recruit, um, but he just never could lock down a position or a starting spot or or much of anything. Two of the, the uh, both Hawkins and Walker wore number twenty-five last year. So Walker, um, interesting, yeah, wore twenty-five for the season opener, and I think Hawkins wore twenty-five for ODU, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, that, so they're making an impact on specialty. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's um, but Walker well more than Hawkins was somebody that we kind of talked about. We thought was going to maybe um, have a, have an impact and nothing really, you know, really moved on, on that. And um, I think the third, you may, I think you mentioned Kenji uh, Christian, um, which that, that makes sense. um, Quite honestly, (laughs) Um, you know, Keyshawn King transferred out, um, and but you have with Tutin coming in. I think that that running back room was getting was getting heavy, and it was time to uh, lighten the load. Right, right. And the thing is, we lost what was it three running backs after the season, like Marco Lee or yeah. a couple other guys, uh, Taj Gary, whatever. So it's been thinning down. Yeah. And Kenji, I was excited when we got Kenji. He was a big guy. His tape was fun. It was kind of a surprise commitment. I think he was from Alabama. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, he is. he's out of here. We're still over the scholarship limit, though. <laughs> As By my count, and I keep a, a pretty good spreadsheet, we're at 90 right now. Wow. And that's with Stone. Stone's not on scholarship. Stone Snyder, who's coming in, he's going to be paid via NIL. I'm not sure how that works, but that's how it was listed on the place that I saw it. And so we have 90 guys at least. It could be 91 on scholarship, which means we got to trim. Before before the new guys come in in the fall, we got to trim at least five guys. And so that's – I don't know if we're going to – if we can lose too many more running backs, but I would assume a quarterback or two mm-hmm. might be headed out the door. Yeah. Were we? Yeah, we were up to we were at ninety five, and now I think it's down yeah. to ninety, and we still yeah. got to shave shave more off of that. Um, but you bring up a very interesting point that we are starting to see the beginnings of um, what I think most of us probably anticipated was going to start happening, which is now mm-hmm. NIL paying for for some of the scholarships, which is. That's where things are going to get really interesting, um, and um, is really going to right. Because what's preventing Bama from just putting forty guys on NIL scholarships? Nothing. Like that's that's what is frightening, yep. right? <laughs> yeah, and um, that's that's the that's the crazy part. But um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. That it was it was a matter of time, and now we're starting to see it. Um, slowly percolate into uh into an issue or at least a concern i'm sure you saw charles barkley's comments on nil and a bunch of other college stuff as he's been on the cbs broadcast and he's i mean basically he just toured a new one because there's no regulation yeah and it's exactly right it's the wild west there's no rules and they they just need to get something in place. I know like no one wants more NCAA, but it is 
it's so out of control right now in terms of pay for play situations and all the kind of stuff we are trying to avoid. I want players to make their money to profit off their image and likeness, but I, there needs to be some kind of rules. The, the, the problem, if you've been paying the last seven years, the problem is the NCAA is now toothless. I mean, they can yeah, they have they no nothing. bite anymore. They have nothing. They are, nobody respects them. They dug their grave so deep with screwing all this stuff up. And now they have no power whatsoever. So it's, there's not even, there's not even a body to control it unless the conferences decide to do it themselves or the conferences decide to get together and just finally overthrow and get rid of the NCAA and go out on their own, which that day is coming. So, you know, yeah, it's got to be, coming, it's going to be in the right? next five years. So. The only thing the NCAA does is put on the March Madness. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the football, what, what I think will happen first is football will break off and it will become its own. And um, I don't know about the other sports. Maybe all the sports will stay under NCAA except for football, yeah. but it's going to split off and it's going to happen in the next five years. It's going to be crazy. It sure seems that way. Let's talk about recruiting real quick so we can get to the spring practice notes. I mentioned QB Davy Belfort, three-star, .888 in the composite, coming out of Florida, 22 Power 5 offers. His dad's a UFC fighter. There's all kinds of, of cool things, cool stories coming out about his commitment. Four-star on Rivals and has been at a bunch of those camps. Um, questions about his size, mm-hmm. and he's not a three-star, a four-star across the board, but... Uh, what seems like a very solid commitment at the QB position. I was excited to get about Davy, and I think they're waiting for him to announce so they could get the other announcements. Do you think that was the case? Yeah, I think so. And um, Joshua Clark uh, came in out of Flint Hill uh, from Oakton, right down the street uh, here, yeah. uh, which is nice. I'll pop over and say congrats to him. <laughs> and uh, Derek Dandy uh, from um, Mount Airy, uh, North Carolina. So uh, three you know, pretty good recruits all uh, one day after another, uh, 22nd, yeah. 23rd, and 24th uh, coming in. I think Clark could make an impact. He's an athlete, listed as an athlete, played wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He could very well end up on the defensive side of the ball because of the influx of wide receivers we just had come in. Yep. But that Oakton VA kid, 11 P5 offers for him. Mm-hmm. So pretty nice offer list. Derek Dandy was the lowest one, edge guy, but he's a big body. Yep. And so... We'll see how he develops over this year, but nice to get our 2024 class started. Let's move to the spring practice notes. This is going to kind of qualify as our spring game preview. Uh, I am going to the spring game, and I'll hopefully be at the spring jam. So if you're going to be down, shoot me a message or something, and I'll try to say hello. But it's cool because we're going to get the spring game on television. Yep, There's going to be fans in attendance yet again. Uh, it was fun last year to see it. Now there was some, some times during the spring game last year. I don't know if you remember this, Robbie, but like they were really struggling with the cryons, like of putting up like the guys in the positions and getting the names right and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully the, uh, the interns are, are raring to go and, and ready this year. Yeah. For, for, for Well, they had stuff. no practice because when they took it off the air for so long that <laughs> right. um, they had to get their feet back underneath them. But I was kind of secretly hoping that Pry would like not televise the spring game this year, just to like really set my mind on fire and be like, what the hell is going on? Like after you didn't learn anything, um, but no, it's going to be on TV. So we're all, we're all good. Yeah. And it should be, 
interesting. I have some questions for you I want to ask at the end of yeah. some of the comments that they've been making. There's been a lot of positivity about the communication and the signs of growth. And Sean Quinn even said he noticed a lot more speed on the offense and that it looked much more organized, something that Pry echoed in one of his uh, media conferences. He said, I think the offense is executing better than we have in a long time. Hmm. Now, I'm, there's always off-season lies and stuff, but you're hearing it from multiple sources. You're hearing about the speed, and this is all stuff we expected, right, with the guys coming in from the portal. Yeah, so I, um, I read that, and it has me excited. It, it, it marries up to what we would expect um, with uh, the running back coming in and the wide receivers coming in. I, I, that is, it is not shocking, so it's good to hear because it's what I would have expected to hear. I mean, if they if people came out and they're like, hey, you know, the offense is kind of slow going, people are still trying to figure out their routes and all that, I would have been like, eh, what's, I mean, these guys are experienced. I mean, they, mm-hmm. <laughs> these wide receivers are both like uh, conference leading um, and, and certainly team leading wide receivers for, for us. So um, it, it marries up. It makes sense um, not to get too over our skis about excitement, but I think it, 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 it it probably holds water. Let's talk about the quarterbacks. Grant Wells has been with the ones in the early practices, and that's that's not mm-hmm. a surprise. But Drones has had his moments, made some nice throws, and they've both had their bad moments. They, there's been talk of Wells missing some throws or underthrowing guys, overthrowing guys, all stuff we saw during the season last year. And I think in that first padded practice, Drones had an INT and a fumble before he displayed some accuracy on his deep balls and whatnot. Mm-hmm. To me, obviously it makes sense, right? That Grant is ahead of drones at this point. He's played so much more football than him. Mm-hmm. And if there is a competition, which I believe that there is, it's probably going to go right up to essentially the week of the game in August. And even if it doesn't, I don't think Pry has shown any deviation from what Fuente used to do and not announcing it until like the very end um, from what, from what we've seen. Uh, I, you would expect Wells to come out and we heard those same things about, you know, good things about Wells last year during practice and spring practice. So it's just, it, it, it makes it difficult. I think the real question is in my mind with more reps and over time, we know what we're getting with Wells. Like what does drones, you know, um, does he have some acceleration and some um, uplift throughout the practices to really mm-hmm. what what what's his ceiling, I guess, um, given the number of practices and scrimmages that we have on the docket before the season starts? That really is is the question mark for me. And can he overtake the known quantity of what you get from Grant Wells is is really the question that I um I think I know the answer to that, but I don't want to speculate because, you know, quarterbacks have surprised me in the past. I just don't I don't see it happening on this one. Yeah, you want Drones' progress from practice one to practice 15 to be far beyond Grant Wells' progress from practice one to practice 15. Yeah. And if it's not, then we have a big – well, not a big problem. We just know that Drones might not be it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's too early to say that, but you want to see progress. You want to see a guy who's like, okay – He's installed some of the system, and he's learning how to be more accurate and, and whatnot. Maybe there are some tweaks to his form that's going on. Um, but there have been some positive notes that Drones has been good throwing on the run, rolling out of the pocket and that kind of thing, even better than Grant at times. So uh, 
definitely some positive notes on drones and basically the consistent talk about Wells. Like he's been the better, more consistent thrower and, and none of that should surprise you. Mm-hmm. Pop Watson, the freshman, he's been standing out just physically um, raw, but with a lot of upside. And he's been impressive and has made a bunch of nice throws. So that's really good to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether he takes a red shirt, which I assume that he would. And unless drones is a complete disaster, he's going to take that red shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's nice to hear that he's he's at least looking the part early on. Let's talk about the receivers because that's, that's what we got in the portal. And that's what's going to be the biggest change from last year. At least hopefully it is. They've said Jennings is showing his experience and leadership and we keep hearing about Gosnell and how good of shape he's in and how he's getting separation and that now Chris Christian Moss is starting to get separation and he caught a TD against Delaney. So hearing good things about some guys that last year were kind of afterthoughts. Yeah. And I would have, is it weird that I would have liked to hear a lot more about Jennings and just like, this guy is just destroying everybody. Like the, People are like, yeah, his leadership is great. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I'm like, is he <laughs> is he like like blowing people? Is he mossing people? Yeah, right? exactly. Like, <laughs> is is what I would have liked to hear, but I did not hear that, uh, which is a little bit. Suspect. I did read that he's made some really nice contested catches. Yeah. If that yeah. helps you, out yeah, a bit. somewhat. Um, and and not that I had him as the next coming, but uh, I did yeah. have him, you know, well well up there. But it is he's not going to be able to do it on his own. So I, I do think part of um, part of that feedback that I think, you know, you're hearing is people know what he's capable of and that, and, and they know that he also can't do it on his own. So people are looking for what the surrounding cast is going to be and trying to pick out who those guys are going to be to kind of fill out the, uh, the wide receiving core. But it's, so that's, that's good to hear. I mean, uh, and if Gosnell, um, if he's he's really put on some some muscle mass and uh, he's ready to to go fight for the ball and it sounds like he is, then I'm I'm excited about that. That's that's awesome. Definitely, there's high praise for um, Jalen Lane as well, the other guy that came in and how he goes about his business. So basically, the names I kept reading and seeing were Jennings, Lane, Gosnell, Moss, Holloway, mm-hmm. and then there's a, even a few mention of Aiden Green, one of our stud recruits. In fact. If you looked at the 247 in-house rankings, Aiden Green was our highest ranked player in last year's class. And he is, his speed has been noted and just his effort and, and all that kind of stuff. So you got Jennings Lane, Gus Nell. That's like six guys yep. that they've talked about. Now, something I haven't heard much about is Lofton. I know he caught at least one TD pass somewhere in there mm. in the practices. But if I'm Lofton, after last year, after the preseason hype and kind of the full season coming up short, I'd be a little concerned about playing time this year. Yeah. I, 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 I probably shouldn't say this, but I would have probably been looking at the transfer portal if I were him. Um, and, and I don't mean that as a slight against him whatsoever. It's just a, a lot of, you know, some good guys came in that are really going to steal those spots almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And then if you have any progress and you don't keep up, then you're going to find yourself, you know, sitting at number seven or eight and not seeing the field really that much. So, uh, yeah, that that's unfortunate. I hope he, I hope he, you know, really, you know, gets out there and, and, and finds his role in like the top six, which is really what's going to put you on the field, you know, more often than not. 
whether it's Lofton or not, I mean, there's 14 or something wide receivers on the roster. If you're talking about having to get scholarships down, mm-hmm. I'm assuming one QB comes off the books because we've got six. There's got to be a wide receiver coming yeah. off. I, like, I, I would have to assume. It's a, the um, defense is really thin across the board, so it's not coming from that side of the ball. Uh, so Probably not, it's, yeah. It's more apt to come from the offensive side of the ball, as, as counterintuitive as that might sound after last season. It's it's true. Uh, tight ends. Let's move there real quick. That's a two-man rotation right now between Gallo and Wright. Yep. That makes full sense. And uh, they're saying Wright is looking a little bit more in shape. And as you go from a true freshman to, to being in school and in the program for an extra year there, that makes sense. And I'm excited about his potential. The only other thing I saw with tight end was – Cole Pickett mm. has been getting some run. That's Cole Pickett uh, walk-on. Wow. I'd never heard his name before, but I read it the other day, and I thought it was interesting. Hey, I love I love it. I love a good Rudy story. <laughs> Malachi stood out in the early running back drills. Outside of the fumble between him and Jerones, there was kind of a mesh point error. Uh, he has looked good. Tootin has looked powerful, seems to be able to block. He actually did put some balls on the ground, I think, maybe route running um, and even a fumble in the open practice, but he's been in constant communication with Brooks at the practices. They seemed, I think I read joined at the hip was how uh, I think two, four, seven put it. So it seems like it's going to be Malachi and Tootin one, a and one B with Duke and chance black right behind them. Mm -hmm. As uh, almost exactly what you would have expected. Um, And, I guess there's a chance that Malachi continues to improve on on what he's he's done in the past, and there's maybe some shakeup there. But beyond that, I don't think there's any going to be any deviation between those two. Yeah, and it, everybody the else. Comment I saw. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. there there's I think after that there's only like one more guy left right yeah. now. It's uh, Coney. Yeah. And maybe yeah, Coney. I think he's already in school, so that would be the fifth guy. Uh, Duke and Black were complimented on their receiving out of the backfield. So that's something that I know. Malachi isn't great at. Uh, I think Tootin has a little bit of ability to catch, um, but Duke and Black can do that in, in a third down situation. Offensive line, not so much here, but there was talk about the coaching change. I think Braylon Moore said he feels like he knows him in terms of, uh, is it Crooks? I keep, Crooks and Brook. I, yes. keep, I keep mixing this up. Correct. Yes. Ron Crook. Mm-hmm. Um, they said they feel like they know him. They said, I think he's a great coach. Lots of positive feedback from a bunch of the guys on Crook, so that's that's good to hear. Hansen is moving over to right guard from left guard. Braylon Moore is moving to left. And Schick is pushing for either guard spot, and he can play tackle in a pinch. So he's kind of your Swiss Army utility knife going into this season. So at first team, and I'll just do this for you so people know, Xavier Chaplin, mm-hmm. Braylon Moore, Caden Moore at center. That's the new move. Hanson at right guard and Parker Clements at right tackle. Mm-hmm. So that's your starting guys as of today. But as we talked about in this O-line, after that it's a bunch of redshirt freshmen, essentially. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, I think they had the offensive twos as Meadows, Dixon, Hollyfield, Garnett or Garrett and uh Schick um was the twos that they saw out there if i'm not mistaken um but i'm not i'm not 100 sure something like that yeah, yeah i think that's about right um ganim is gonna factor in somewhere yeah the freshman but like yeah he could very well get a richer offensive lineman rarely play right away yeah. so 
I think that, but I think the offensive line ones are pretty much what we talked about um, earlier this year. So I think that's right. Let's move to defense before we get to our questions. Jaden McDonald was the starting Mike. That's something we talked about in our last podcast. He's got the size for it. We don't know if Stone's going to end up taking that spot or if Tisdale's going to take be taking that spot at some point. But Tisdale hasn't been out there a ton. I don't know if he's got a class conflict or yeah. or what's going on, but that's a little bit concerning. That is, um, that's not good because um, we were definitely um, hoping to have him uh, him out there and have him we step in, um, into the to that role. I that. Um, I imagine they uh, would move classes around for uh, football players, but that's just my my guess. Uh, we'd have to see. Yeah, maybe he's a little nicked up. I I don't know. After last year with the was it the betting thing yes. and and so I thought he was all in back in, but yep. who knows what's going on? It could be something completely normal, and he's just missing a little bit of spring practice, and it's okay. But let's hope that's the case. At defensive end, McCray and Nelson are with the ones. Yeah, that is. Seems like a good sign. We there's another position we're a little thin at. We're waiting for James Jeanette to get here in the summer. Um, Jordan McDonald and Burgos are backing them up, and no, neither of them have played very much. So <laughs> we need we need um, McCray and Nelson to be to be kind of good. Yeah, yeah. Preview to uh, what do you need to one of your questions for me? I guess later. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what that, that on the yeah on the good side of things. The back seven is looking pretty good. Yeah. The the three corners, Canteen, Strong, and Delaney. Yes, are all looking very good. Mm-hmm. Canteen's come in here and no one's had a bad word to say about him. So I'm pumped about the DBs in general I, because you got Peoples and Stroman behind them, and Peoples has been making a ton of plays apparently. So. I, I feel great about the DBs. Ton of experience, um, ton of experience, yeah. game experience between all those guys. Um, so that's they. We should be good on uh, there, if nothing else. And if we move, oh, I forgot about defensive tackle. We'll move back to the line real quick. But we got the three veterans. Yeah, you got Fuga, uh, Norrell, and, and Kendricks. Kendricks, and Penne is the fourth mm-hmm. of the defensive tackles, but I feel great about those starting four. Mm-hmm. And then even a guy like Malachi Madison mm-hmm. is starting to push Penne for that fourth spot or whatever. But they're saying Fuga's looked really good, so we're gonna have to figure out where Gunnar Givens is gonna end up by the time spring ends because that was a guy we always thought would end up moving to offensive line, mm-hmm. and he's still playing defensive tackle. And if he's gonna be sixth or seventh on the depth chart, maybe you want to move him over to a position we, we really, really need and do it ASAP uh, on offensive line. But I don't know. Yeah. It's a story. Linebacker is the last one here. Do you have any comments about linebacker? I know we talked about Tisdale a little bit. No, I think, um, no, we'll, we'll see. We got, I think linebacker Tisdale not being there. Jenkins, you know, McDonald Lawson. I, I don't know. I feel, I feel pretty good about that. We'll see. There's a little bit of, um, with Hollyfield gone, we'll we'll see how it all comes together and coalesces this year. But I I feel fine about everything really, except for defensive end as usual. The one thing about the linebackers, I saw a little conversation about who's playing backup uh, for Jenkins at Sam because he's he's the stalwart at Sam, but like who's backing him up? Because we really don't have a clear backup, and ultimately. We're going to end up playing a lot of nickel. Say he were to go down, maybe Lawson would move over to Sam. Mm-hmm. But we played more nickel last year anyway. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's what m- most college football teams are doing that. You have three DBs on the field, and with Canteen coming in, mm-hmm. I don't really think it's 
not having a ton of depth at Sam, no, it's not great, but it's also not the worst no. because there's not he's not on the field every single down all the time like it would have been with a whip linebacker years ago. Yeah. That would have been detrimental not to have any depth there, but now I think it's all right. Uh, Mose Phillips has looked good as a safety option alongside Jalen Jones, backing up Stroman and Peoples. And it seems like, this is the last note I had, that Cotman, the incoming freshman, has looked the part so far at DB. I think he's playing corner. But uh, he was another one of those guys we got at the very end, the BC flip. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's he's looked good. So let's get to our questions, Rob. And I'll I'll ask you... First, what do you want to see the most in the spring game? Very generic. I have a little bit more specific ones coming up, but what do you want to see the most? Um, I want to see some form or substance of edge rushing, please. If there's just a, you know, otherwise, I can't go another year without some pressure on the on the edge, and it's looking like we're we're lining up to have another one, but it's really getting. It's. I feel like we're on the podcast every single season, and I'm saying this in our previews, but here we are again. Um, so I'll change it and just say uh, I want to see some separation, especially going up against. They'll do. I'm assuming we'll do ones versus ones, right? So if we can get the wide receivers in some space and making some nice catches, I, I forget whether the ball is placed correctly, but whenever it accidentally is, depending on who's playing quarterback, then I, I'd love to see if they can get some space against uh, what is a very experienced um, and tenured uh, defensive backfield. I want to see a push in the run game. And I know it's a, a little bit of a tall task. we got a new center. we got guys flipping around the guard spots. But it can't be as bad as last year in the run game. I need to see a little bit of a push. And if you remember when we split up our O line last year in the spring game mm-hmm. and Jason Brown was playing for, yeah. for the one team, he could not get more than one second to throw the ball. Yeah. And so I'm, I want to see what I want to see most is both quarterbacks have enough time to complete a few passes and for the run game to get a push. I need to see some positivity out of the O line. And I know it's bringing in a, an O-line coach just a couple weeks ago, losing Joe Rudolph, not playing well last year, having a bunch of redshirt freshmen. I know it's a tall ask, but that's what I – if you're asking me what I want to see the most, I want to see the offense, offensive line play well. That's what I want to see. All right. Fill in the blank. If I don't see blank in the spring game, that will make me very nervous going into next year. Um, If I don't see blank – uh, if I don't see either Tootin or Thomas break off like at least two or three, maybe four, like good, good chunked runs in uh, the spring game, then I think we're then I think we're going to be pretty nervous. Yeah, that's a good one. It, it for me, it's if I don't see separation by the wide receivers okay. because we just brought in. This group of wide receivers, both incoming freshmen and portal guys, if I don't see separation in this spring game, and I know we have some good DBs, but they're going to be all split up, mm-hmm. you know, like that. You have to split the team up. So it's not all going to be against Mansoor Delaney. Yep. I need to see separation because the receivers have been getting some very nice pats on the back. I need to see it. Mm-hmm. And finally, Rob, what's your number one coaching related concern going into next year? Whether is it offensive scheme? Is it a position group? Mm-hmm. Uh, Bowen, what 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 is your number one concern? It's Bowen. I I, I yeah I yeah. 
I, I wrote that before you and I went. This was all pre-written, so this was, had nothing to do or influenced by other people's concern. Um, that was that's my number one concern that can very much be alleviated too. So um, that that concern could could go um, to the sidelines very quickly if uh, if everything's good. But that is my concern going into the season. Yeah, I. Th- <laughs> I, I I don't want to say the exact same thing, but my concern is just the offensive scheme in general, and that obviously has to do with Bowen. But the relationship of the quarterback, the offensive line, the running backs, wide receivers, all being on the same page, not running a different offensive line scheme every other game yeah. like we did last year, where it was such a mismatch all the time of what we were doing. My My concern is just our scheme being cohesive that is that is my number one coaching related concern defensively I feel okay I mean obviously we know Pry was taking the reins on it most of the year but Marv took over duties at the end uh it seems like a lot of the players respect what Marv is saying so defensively I don't have a ton of concerns um I want to see the players and the talent upgrade and the talent development show up but coaching concerns no we had the worst offense maybe in the history of virginia tech last year so that's my number one concern that 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 would make sense (laughs) all right well that is going to do it we talked about a lot of different things covered a lot of topics but we're gonna cut our spring practice spring game preview off there i hope anyone going down the spring game um will attend the spring jam should be a really good time come out say what's up to me billy pat whoever may end up being there, the other sons that we've had on the podcast uh, with the memory lane stuff. But I just can't wait for more football, dude. I like after the way basketball season ended, um, I'm hoping the guys, you know, there's been a lot of talk about us being a basketball school. We may be a women's basketball school. That's, that, but... that's right. Um, <laughs> at this point. So yeah, it's, it's, it's time. Football is what drives us, man. That's what we both, me and you, love oh so goodness. much. Like, yeah, I mean, I think people know. It's yeah, I I do enjoy basketball, but uh, at the end of the day, it's it's football, and I mean, that's what I donate to. That's what I got tickets to. That's what I'm all about. So um, that's that's where I'm at, and uh, I'm hoping we can uh, get back to you know some eight nine win seasons, maybe ten every yeah. once in a while. After the spring game's over, me and you will probably do our first record prediction, yeah. and those are always fun. Oh, that's where it gets <laughs> that's where it gets real dicey. Yeah. I feel like I I feel like we're gonna have to. There's gonna be, I don't know. I I, I haven't even thought about it yet. I got to look at the schedule again, but I don't know. I might have to. I might have to go with a low number this year. Well, last year everyone just. Was the only person that got close with the record prediction for Tech was Stu Mandel, who picked like four wins or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and he and we were like, I think he picked two that wins seems, or something. I thought it was oh even God. lower. It was bad. I remember it being very low. Yeah, it was really low, and I remember calling him an idiot, and he couldn't have been more right. Yeah, yeah, he called it. I mean, when you look at it, things like from a macro scale like that, he happened to be right. But do you like, think he knew? Do you think he had calls into the program and knew like? that it was bad or do you it's not think looking good yeah i don't know i mean he's got to be connected I'm, into the program he's been around for he's definitely for, connected but he you know he never talks about like i was having a conversation with the strength coach at this place like bruce does you know he doesn't do those name drops and stuff like that yeah. but he very well is very well connected and and could have had some insight 
But everyone that follows tech and predicts tech and writes about tech, Chris Coleman, the, the our, our Sons of Saturday fellows, the key players, everyone was wrong. Yeah. Like every single person, including us. Yeah, that, that Stu Mandel. All overestimated. And I know he, anyway, I don't want to get into the Stu Mandel picks, but I, it, I just, it was so bizarre to me that every person that follows the program really closely got it so wrong and he got it so right and it's just it, it, to this day it still makes me so confused um yeah. he knew something i know he has calls it to somebody that's <laughs> that's what happened yeah he had a conversation with joe rudolph or something it, and it was just like yeah yeah that's not looking good. <laughs> this is it's gonna be it's gonna be bad <laughs> All right, well, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to all the stuff Sons of Saturday has going on. Come to Spring Jam, download prize picks, et cetera, et cetera. You can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT. Send us an email. It's 2DVT at gmail.com. And make sure you give us a review on Spotify. If you're listening, starting to listen on Spotify, still most of our downloads come through Apple. But if you're on Spotify, give us a rating there. We, we're still a little bit low on ratings. We're getting more and more. But uh, it would be much appreciated. And until next time when uh, we're celebrating a big win of Virginia Tech against Virginia Tech at the spring game. That's right. Go Hokies. (laughs) 